Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. and if you're watching us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins, you see we have a special guest for this episode, that's Hunter Hodes of the Locked On Penguins podcast. How's it going today, Hunter? Doing good. You know, I'm obviously very happy to join you guys again, and you know, I think both of us have two of the best penguin shows out there so i'm really excited to join you guys oh yeah we like flexing that we we know we have two of the best shows out there it's it's going great the the two the two best now there's some other great ones but uh we were here first the two of us it feels like (laughs) yeah seven definitely long time and certainly several crossover episodes. I'm glad to add this to the long list of crossovers we have done, and I can't wait to continue doing them into the future. But the first thing I do want to ask you as we get into Penguins talk, because this team is definitely not bereft of storylines as we head into the final month of the NHL season. The one guy that has really kind of taken some spotlight here over the past week is Alex Nylander. He's done well in his first handful of games, but how do you feel he's assimilated to playing on that second line with Evgeny Malkin and Jason Zucker? Yeah, Nick, I've liked him a lot. You know, I wasn't part of like this big fan club that you see on Twitter and stuff. I think he has like a bunch of simps in the Penguins fan base that like, oh, you know, he could have been here all along. I, I didn't think that just because, you know, I figured some of these guys would figure it out. But obviously I was wrong with that. But he's been really impressive since coming up. Um, the fact that Mike Sullivan is putting him with Jason Zucker and Evgeny Malkin shows that, you know, he's giving him a shot and he's come really close to scoring his first goal with the team. He's had uh, multiple two on ones, uh, one against the Rangers to end the game with 30 seconds left. Nice save by Halak. And then last night when they're trailing five, four, he gets the puck, tried to do a little curl and drag, wasn't fully able to get it, but he's getting these quality looks. He's making some nice passes, making the right reads in the offensive and defensive zones. I'm happy that they're giving a young player a shot. You know, a lot of people have been clamoring for this to happen this season just because, you know, Jeff Carter's not been good. Teddy Bluger was bad before he got dealt. Brock McGinn, Kisper Kaepernick, and the list goes down. But, you know, I don't know if he's going to play. If this team does get fully healthy, Ryan Paling's probably going to come back soon at some point if he doesn't re-injure whatever he's dealing with. Nick Bonino is week to week. Um, But at least they're giving him a shot. And that's really all you can ask for 
right now. I, I've been really impressed with him, and I'm really hoping that he does score um, a couple of goals here to potentially, you know, bump one of the regulars that's not playing well out of the lineup. I was going to say, just one of my biggest concerns with Nylander is the fact that it seems like in some of these situations, he's deferring to Zucker and Malkin. And I understand, trust me, those guys, Zucker's having his second best scoring season of his entire career. Evgeny Malkin is a future Hall of Fame player. I get that a young player is going to defer to those guys, but six shots in four games and one assist for Nylander. I just want him to take another step and just be a little bit more aggressive when he gets some more opportunities and just shoot the puck on the net. Because as we've seen with Jason Zucker, I mean, when you're hot, you're hot. But most of the reason that he's staying hot is he's just putting the puck on the net every chance he gets. I'd like to see more of that from Alex Nylander. But that's my biggest concern with him. What is yours moving forward with Alex Nylander? You know, just hoping that he can stay consistent. You know, it's no secret that this is probably the best season of his career. I know he's been in the AHL um, for a long time now. Um, he didn't really work in a couple of organizations that he was with in the AHL, especially the Chicago Blackhawks. Those, that team was horrendous last season. But, you know, he's come over to the Penguins. He was decent last season. This season, he's putting it all together in Wilkesbury with J.D. Forrest. But, my, again, my, my concern is can he continue that while being up here? And then he's probably going to get sent down again at some point if this team gets healthy. You know, how does he finish off the season? And then how does he do next year? You know, he's, Nick, he's 25 right now. A lot of times, you know, you're not going to get too much better, I think, at this stage of your career. You know, these are considered your peak prime years um, as a player. So, you know, just is there another level to him that we can see? I guess, you know, I, I'm just I'm not really sure. And, and then, of course, I'm just worried that he's going to regress a little bit and then go back to the player that he was just a few years ago. But, you know, it is amazing what competent coaching can do for someone like him. You know, JD, again, JD Forrest has done a good job. Mike Sullivan's been doing a good job insulating him, you know, managing his minutes, all that. But I just, you know, it's mainly the consistency for me. I want to see if he can really maintain that, whether it's here or it's down in Wilkesbury, if this team gets healthier. Yeah. And you're, you're probably uh, spot on about him going back down, but um, is this Penguins team, you know, going down the, going into the future, into next year, a team that needs to rely more on these young players like Alex Nylander, getting him a new contract, getting Drew O'Connor a new contract even. And then are there other names that could squeak their way in? Like, should the next year's focus for this team, without yet talking about this year's uh, issues and possible postseason, uh, what does next year's team feature? Like, is it more youth? I mean, I would sure hope so. You know, they're the oldest they're obviously the oldest team in the league right now. A lot of players over 30. I've really liked what I've seen from Drew O'Connor this year. I remember when he first came in, looked like a player that didn't even belong in the AHL, to be honest. And then he really worked on his game. Look where he is now. He should He's a regular every night and should be a regular if this team does make the playoffs. Um, you know, Wilkes-Barre, you know, people have always said to me, you know, there's a lot of guys down there that could come up. And sure, Nylander is maybe one of the select few. Valtteri Pustinen, is he going to maybe make the jump? Next season, I think he has a pretty deceptive shot. His foot speed is not bad, but defensively, you know, how how is his work there? You know, I'm not really sure how much he's going to contribute at the NHL level. Sam Poulin, he is now back with the team. He took a few months off. That was the announcement on Wednesday with regarding to his mental health. You know, glad he took his time away to focus on himself. Um, could he make the jump next season? That's another interesting possibility. I do think overall this team does need more youth, and obviously that comes with more speed. Um, in the lineup, you know, you can't be building 
um, the last final few years around the core players um, with a lot of old guys who are just kind of past their primes. Um, I think that's where Ron Hextall has kind of failed in that regard. One of the reasons why he's failed in that regard um, ever since he took over for Jim Rutherford. So, you know, I do hope that we see a little more of a youth movement for next season, whether that's a couple guys from Wilkesbury if Pustin and Poulin make the jump, uh, or whether they go out into free agency because they will have money to spend this summer if, if they know what they're doing with it, of course. That's the caveat. Um, and maybe bring in some other younger players that, you know, are, are better at this point than some of the veterans. Yeah, and with, you know, the idea of utilizing the money correctly in the future, what – and Jason Zucker, I think, is probably an easy choice if we're going to probably re-sign him. The contract negotiation is just going to have to go the proper way. My, the bigger question, though, is uh, Tristan Jari's new deal. What, in your eyes, where does he stand in for this team's future, not just this season, but possibly a new contract next season? And does is there is there a new contract in the works? And how far does it go and for how much? Because that's going to be the biggest uh, priority in the offseason, I would assume. It's a great question, Nick. Um, I don't know how right now you can justify paying him what he wants, whether it's five times five. That's basically the Darcy Kemper deal of what you saw in Washington, five times six, anything remotely close to that with how he has played um, this season, especially after coming back from his latest bout of injuries. It's been reported that he's had a chronic hip issue from Frank Cervalli. You know, I heard before that it was a groin. Now I've heard whispers that he's also dealing with a back injury. So um, he's been pretty banged up. And again, how do you justify paying him all that money when he's been really hurt the last couple of seasons? I just don't know how you do it. But then the other question, you, you play devil's advocate, look at the free agent market for goalies. Outside of Freddie Anderson, who I will say is not a bad goaltender. He was very good last season, but he also has injury concerns. Who else is out there? It's a lot of 1B stopgap options. They don't really have, you know, a lot of just true number one goalies that are on the market. They're in a very tough pickle. People can say you can trade for John Gibson. Okay. I think he's been okay this year, but he's also well past his prime as well. So <clears throat> I don't know what their plan is there. They are in a very tough pickle when it comes to that. And this is, this is all, this is sadly what happens when you bring the same tandem back. Not once, not twice, but three years in a row that have had injury problems and inconsistency problems. I don't see how you can bring the tandem back totally as it is for next season, whether it's one of Jari or both of DeSmith leaving. I know DeSmith has one more year left on his contract, so it would have to be a trade, but it, this is very close. You know, if he balls out the rest of the way here, he magically finds his game from last regular season and plays well in the playoffs, by all means extend him. But if not, I think they're going to have to go in a different direction, and it's one that's very um, risky, but it's one that they may have to do. It's interesting, too, because when Jari signed the contract that he's currently playing on, there was a lot of question marks about him. and It was, where is his potential going to go? Is he going to be able to become a number one goaltender? And that was going into, I believe, his first year where he was an all-star. And I feel like we have more questions about him now. Like the the poor performance in that first series against the New York Islanders, the injury last year, the injuries this year, the the weird stretches where he just looks like he's at best a 1B. 
it feels like we have more questions about Tristan Jari now than we did when he signed his bridge deal, was it three years ago? So I don't know if another bridge deal is something that could be on the table, but that might be the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Penguins because Jari has shown flashes of being a very good goaltender in the National Hockey League. The only problem is he hasn't been able to put it together consistently, and he hasn't been able to show that off in the postseason. Now, he's only had one real opportunity, but he still has yet to show it. So it's unfortunate that the Penguins are in that position, but it's a position that is going to be very precarious for Ron Hextall, or as we like to say on the podcast, whoever is the general manager at the time that that decision needs to be made. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, the thing is with the bridge deal, Nick, will, does he accept that kind of offer or does he find a contract offer from another team that maybe needs a starter like the Penguins do? And they're like, hey, we'll give you five or six years. We believe in you. We'll give you this amount of money, whatever it is. What, what do you say? I would probably think that he's going to take that kind of offer over a bridge deal, you know, because you're right. You know, they signed that contract. He signed that contract. And it was like, you know, this is going to be the next good goaltender. He played well in that one playoff game against the Canadians, gave the Penguins a shot to at least tie slash win that game, and then plays okay the next season, melts down the playoffs. Last regular season is fantastic. Top 10 in goals, state above expected. Top 10, 15 in save percentage. Obviously, it has his broken foot that really derailed his season. I was very high on him coming into this year. Guys, I predicted him, I predicted him to be a Vesna Trophy finalist. I am going to take a massive L on that one here. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just very, very tough because they also don't really have anyone down in Wilkes-Barre that can even come up and start. Philip Lindbergh, he's been in out of the lineup. Casey DeSmith, he's been playing better as of late, but when you play him too many games in a row, the same warts kind of show. He gives up three, four, or five goals a game because he's overworked. So I honestly think right now, the starting goal. If you're asking me right now, the starting goaltender for this team next season is not on the roster. Mm. That's unfortunate too, because it's going to get expensive. Like you go to that open market, it's going to get expensive, and it's it, it's even more unknowns when you do that because you could get a, a Linus Allmark and see how that's worked out for Boston, or you could get a Cam Talbot and you saw how that worked out in certain situations for Cam Talbot, or I mean, Jack Campbell's a better example. Look at what he's done in, in Edmonton this year. It's a, it's a struggle, but at the end of the day, it's the most important position on the ice outside of starting center, which is Sidney Crosby. So they at least have one thing answered. Um, but the question I do want to move on from goaltending is, you know, as of this recording right now, the Penguins are seven, two and one in their last 10 games have the sixth best expected goals percentage at five on five in the NHL since the all-star break. It, from all intents and purposes, seems like they've turned a corner, but when you watch the team, it seems like they're just edging out victories slightly and they still have the same issues. Does it appear to you that they've turned that corner or do you think that this is the same team with the same issues, but they've just been getting better puck luck? Yeah, I, I honestly think on Tuesday, you saw what this team is. They're carried by their stars. The bottom six isn't that good. They have bad defensive lapses and the goaltending has been you know, Jekyll and Hyde all year. I've been saying that on my show virtually every episode. This is the probably one of the most Jekyll and Hyde teams I've ever seen. And all of their, you know, amazing things were on display in that game against the Canadians, but all of their flaws were on display at the same exact time. This is who they are. Yes, they have been playing well as of late, 7-2-1. and two and one. They are top 10 in expected goals, top 10 in scoring chances. The makings of a good team 
are there. We can see it at 5v5. The power play also woke up on Tuesday. The penalty kill, okay, you can get by with kind of a crappy penalty kill, but you also can't, you, but you can't get by with both your special teams units being bad. But again, the makings of a good team are there. It's just, <clears throat> they have these really weird swings in play where you just don't know what you're going, you know, to see. They go up 2-0 in that game against the Canadians. You're thinking, oh, they're going to blitz these guys. The Canadians just played the night before. But then they take the foot off the gas pedal and they think this is going to be easy. No, I mean, teams are, even though a team like the Canadians stink, they're still going to come at you with everything they have. You know, they're not just going to roll over and die here or something like that. Um, but overall, even in, with this stretch, you've seen them win some games. But, you know, even in those games, you've seen the same flaws goaltending, sometimes some special teams, the Jeff Carter problem, which we haven't even gotten to yet probably on this show, the Brian Dumoulin problem, all of that, plus with a general manager who didn't properly adjust the problems going into the season and during the season, this is what you have. A flawed roster that, you know, the core is dragging to the playoffs. I can't stress that enough. The top players are dragging the rest of this roster to the playoffs right now. And if they do get in, and I, and I think they will at this point, their math is very good. Um, it's it's still hard to see it being a long run, especially if you're going up against Boston, God forbid, Carolina. Well, Carolina without Sveshnikov, that's maybe a little bit of a better matchup for them, funny enough. New Jersey. You know, I think what, what you've seen, despite them winning more games as of late, you know, I think you're kind of just seeing who they are with the same problems continue to persist. And nothing is done about it. And it's very unfortunate because this should have been close to a Stanley Cup contender contending team this season. Okay, so there you go. You're pretty much dipping the toe into the next couple of questions I'm bringing in here. As for the Jeff Carter thing, Berlansky just recorded a whole thing on uh, <clears throat> facing that music. I'm yet to listen to it, but I saw that was the headline of it. I'm sure that's great stuff. Everyone should go listen to that. That being said, when it comes to the postseason here, Yes, the math looks good. Yes, the numbers look good. The percentages look phenomenal. But is it worth it to you to make it and then just have that immediate first round exit yet again? Is it a wasted year of the core? Because like you said, and I keep saying it too, the core will not let this team die. They're not going to, no matter who's around them. So with that being said, is it worth making the postseason this year just to get slaughtered, if that is true, if that is truly the fate for this team. You know, I I will never, you know, I've always said this for as long as I've, you know, covering, so I was watching the team, you know, I'll never really, like, root for them to lose or anything like that. I understand um, if they do miss the playoffs, which is more unlikely right now, um, there'll be a lot of changes, but I also think if they do make the playoffs and lose in the first round, I think those same changes will apply. I don't see at least Ron Hextall being back next season. If that happens, there's a chance that Brian Burke could be let go. Um, but I still overall, Nick, I would rather them get in. You know, it's it's playoff hockey. There's nothing like it. The core is so driven to win. Um, you know, I've been, I mean, you don't even have to be told this, but, you know, the core very much values um, that playoff streak. They want to continue playing playoff games. And you know what? And anything can happen. Once you get in, you know, sure, is it unlikely that they do a lot of damage? Yes, but if you're not given that chance, you know, you'll, you'll never know. By all means, God forbid, maybe Trishan Jari goes 945, 950 in this series. Other worst goalies have done that in the past. Heck, I'm not comparing him to Jake Ottinger here, but.
but he single-handedly almost carried the Stars to a seven-game series win over the Flames last season. Again, Jake Ottinger is a franchise goalie. We don't know what Tristan Jari is right now, but that's what can happen in small sample sizes. So I would still rather them get in. Yes, it's more likely that it's a quicker exit compared to a longer run, but they, they should be given that chance with how well they have played this season. Sidney Crosby on pace for 100 points. Evgeny Malkin on pace for 80. Chris Letang having another tremendous year. And then, of course, Jason Zucker, Ricard, Raquel, Brian Rust. The top six and Chris Letang, those core players, they have earned that right with how they've been dragging the rest of this team. I would still rather them get in and, you know, see if there's a little bit of magic um, for this season before they, you know, look at retooling this team in the offseason. Yeah, you're, I mean, once you get in, you do never know anything could happen. Hey, you know, did anyone think Columbus would beat Tampa <laughs> back when I was, a, was I a, ju- a junior in college that year? You know, I'm not saying the Penguins would upset Boston here. It would probably be unlikely that they would beat the Bruins, but you never know. You never know. That's what I said on Monday, and uh, nobody came to my defense. Uh, Horwat kind of eased in on that and said, oh, you know, I could see it. Uh, I think it that felt like pity when he said that. But you know what? I can be there in, in my own crazy takes as, as much as I want. But it's funny that you mention, you know, when you're talking about these players that are having phenomenal seasons, Crosby, Malkin, uh, Latang, and Zucker, the one guy that you didn't mention, or at least I didn't hear, I'm, I, I might have been absent-minded for some reason, didn't hear Jake Gensel's name. And interestingly enough, he has 29 goals, but that's like it's. I'm not blaming you because he is the quietest 30 goal season on deck that I have ever experienced watching a hockey team throughout a season. 29 goals, 61 points in 63 games for Jake Gensel this season. Why does it seem like everybody thinks he's having a bad year, yet he's having almost a point per game season similar to Crosby and Malkin? It has been very weird to watch him this year. You know, you you go on social media. And you got people saying here, oh, he should be traded. Like, what's going on with him? And it's like, look at like, you look at the numbers, 61 points in 62 games. It's good. Though I will say, it, it seems like he almost has been more quiet than normal. Maybe it's because I predicted him to score 50 this season for the first time. But, you know, it's still weird because the, the numbers, they're good. Point per game, 30 goals. But a decent chunk of those, I will say, are empty netters. So you take those out, it's a little bit lower. He is Mr. Empty Net on this team. He's always put in that situation. But he is still playing, you know, particularly well, at least right now. He did have a little bit of a stretch, I think, prior to last week, where it almost looked like those last 10 to 14 days, guys, he wasn't really putting the puck in the back of the net, wasn't looking like himself. I wasn't sure if he was dealing with an injury, just was not his normal self. That said, even despite that, he was still on a point-per-game production, and it's continued into the slash stretch here. I, I just think, you know, maybe he's not getting as much, as many of the chances as he's used to getting. He's also been a more of a net front presence from what we've seen in the last two games. But, you know, the fact that you're right, Nick, I didn't even mention him there. Usually he's one of the first players that I mentioned. It's crazy just because you know, he's been ho-hum, very quiet. Um, but I wouldn't classify this season as like a failure or anything for him. I think it's maybe, how do I want to say it? Maybe wouldn't say tender my expectations, but maybe just say, hey, sometimes scoring goals is hard in the AHL. It, it is, you know, there, it's this is a hard league. Sometimes the puck is your friend with the luck. Sometimes it's not, and I think we've seen both sides of that this year with Gensel. And I think the other thing with Gensel is too. I'm going to throw this one out there: is that we discuss him not having this great season. That's because he said it himself too. He said himself he's not having a great year, and the I can remember the day he said that, I immediately looked at his numbers and went, you're damn near a point per game. 
the expectations were so sky high. You said 50 goal season. I said 50. I think Berlanski said 40. We had these sky high expectations because we saw Austin Matthews, not that he's scoring at this kind of pace, but we saw Austin Matthews hit 60. We're going to see McDavid probably hit 70. Again, I'm not saying those are the same players, but we're seeing that this can happen in the NHL again, and we think Gensel is among the names that could hit 45, 50, you know, one time and then hit 30, 35 to 40 on a regular basis. The expectations are just that high. And when he is falling, he's not going to hit 40 this year, probably. So when he's falling short of that number, it looks like a down year. And whenever he says it himself, too, you, when you hear it from the horse's mouth, it's also a completely different thing because that you also tack in what is his mental on this season. Yeah, no, that, that's a very solid point, too. Yeah, because I, I do remember him saying that. Like, oh, yeah, I haven't really been that good. And you know, I looked at the numbers, too, and it's, yeah, very quiet, ho-hum production from him. But you're right, Nick. I think we all put very high expectations on him, especially – coming off those seven games in the playoffs where he rediscovered that playoff form. Remember those last couple of years where everyone was like, oh, you got to trade him for one of the Kachuk brothers. He can't score in the playoffs anymore. He's not physical enough. He put all of that to rest in the playoffs when he was their best, outside of probably Sidney Crosby, he was their best player. He was scoring at will against right? He was just toying with the Rangers in that series. Um, that was when he was at his best. And we haven't seen him at his best a good chunk of this season, but you know, again, there's other times where sometimes the puck is not going to go in the back of the net. Um, he's also having he's this next year is going to be a contract year for him. I believe it's one more year left on his contract. Um, he, if he plays the way we all thought he was going to play this year and scores 50, that price tag goes way up. And right now, it's probably going to be. I wouldn't say it's going to be a struggle to keep him right now because I think they can sign him. But if that happens next season, uh, that price tag is probably going to be. I wouldn't say Sidney Crosby range, but it, it's going to be close. Well, we, we have Hunter Hodes here of the Locked on Penguins. One last question for you, Hunter, before we let you go. What is your biggest concern with this team? Because we have four weeks left until the regular season comes to an end. The Penguins are in a knockdown dragout brawl for one of those playoff spots in the wild card. So before we let you go, I do want to know, you mentioned, you know, Brian Dumlin is an issue. Tristan Jari has been struggling since he returned from his injury. Jeff Carter is my God. Um, so what to you is the biggest concern with this team with four weeks remaining as they try to lock up that 17th straight playoff berth? Honestly, it's just, you know, recognize the, the, the decision makers recognizing that they have flaws. No one has done that yet. We saw glimpses of it in the Tuesday game when Mike Sullivan finally blessed by the gods, benched Jeff Carter for most of the second period, played a buck 43 two shifts. I, I know he played one shift in the third, they scored, and then he plays another shift with two minutes left for some reason. I don't know if that's just a giant F you to Ron Hextall, or if he's just thinking he's still this prime Patrice Bergeron type player, but that I think is my biggest issue right now. It's the decision makers, whether it's the general manager or the head coach, recognizing the flaw, recognizing, excuse me, the flaws and making sure that, you know, they're not flaws come playing time. That means, I know it's probably unlikely to happen, scratching Jeff Carter. I don't care if he's a veteran, if he's close to 40, he's played a lot of games, he's not giving you the best chance to win right now. We all saw what Mike Sullivan did in 2015-16 when he played those younger players and they gave him the best chance to win. Well, you have one playing pretty well right now, you're going to get a couple other players back. I'm sorry, that is one there. That That is you know one thing that I'm really looking at same with Brian Dumoulin, same with the goaltending. You know, it's just 
recognizing the flaws, I think is my main concern here down the stretch. If I wanted to add another one, they have to stop these, you know, lapses in play, whether it's offensively or defensively. Um, numerous times last night, we saw um, players make bad leads that lead to goals against P.O. Joseph was really bad on that go ahead goal in the, in the third period. Um, also didn't like how Jeff Petrie played before he exited the game. Brian Jimlin didn't have a good game against Montreal. Um, you know, it's really just nipping these in the bud so that this team can be as good as I think a lot of them can be. Because again, the base, the basis of a good team is there. The numbers obviously say it, but until some of these problems are fixed, I mean, you can continue to see them pop up, which again, leads to a more likely outcome of them losing quickly in the first round. Well, one last time, thank you so much, Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins for joining us here on the tip of the iceberg. Hunter, of course, you can check out at LO underscore Penguins or at Hunter Hodes on Twitter. Obviously, one of the best follows on Penguins Twitter. And as he said, his words, one of the two best Penguins podcasts in the world. Of course, he's also insinuating that we're up there, which we appreciate him for. But thank you one last time, Hunter, for joining the show. Of course, I really appreciate it. I thank you guys for having me on. And uh, you guys will be returning the favor very soon on my show. <laughs>